Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of TP with TP. That's the podcast with Tom Polos. We have an amazing program for you guys today. Singer, songwriter, and guitarist Derek Nelson joins me, as does Disney blogger James Grosh. Also, a guy from my apartment complex claims he's going to drop by. I'll believe it when I see it. Hopefully you guys will hear it. You're listening to the podcast with Tom Polos, a.k.a. TP with TP. All right, welcome back to TP with TP. I'm here in studio with the one, the only, Derek Nelson, singer, songwriter, producer. He's in the chair. How you doing, Derek? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming. We really appreciate having you. Derek has written over 250 songs and produced and recorded six full-length albums, Going Strong. How does it feel to hear that out loud? Um, I mean, it feels good. It feels also a little... Uh... Ah, like wow! Can he play all those songs? <laughs> That's my question. If I named, if I named all two hundred fifty, or if I asked you to name all two hundred fifty, could you do it? No, I know they, <laughs> I, I know they exist. You but... can name all six albums, though. Yes, yes. Although, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess if you think about all the songs that exist, they're not all completely finished songs. So I don't know if that still counts but well, if you're working on any Finnish songs let me know because we've got a great audience in Europe that yeah I'd love to hear some Finnish jams <laughs> definitely um, you also see him quite often every Thursday on Glee isn't that so that is so now you rock the guitar on that show are you the Gleetarist that everyone sees in the background <laughs> that is that is great I love that I've never heard that before but yes I am the Gleetarist it is your business card now yeah <laughs> well we're gonna get his original music out there then we'll get back to questions pertaining to Glee and everything else Derek Nelson Derek, what's this first song we're going to hear called? This is a song called Next to Me. It's, uh, it's one of the favorite, my favorite of, uh, of the songs that I've written. Um, and it features um, the wonderful Roy Hargrove on flugelhorn, um, which was really a, a treat to get him on the record. So this is Next to Me from the Derek Nelson Band Record North. Paint your body with emotion With a little left to stain your sleeves You're the kind of girl who's scared to ever see the spotlight But once you're there, you never leave Now we keep dancing round this prospect Crossing borders meant for friends Well, I gotta admit that I'm done with it And I'm ready to break that bridge, baby Even if it means the end, oh It's like being in love when I'm with you Yeah. Oh, 
The sunlight sneaking through the blinds With smiling faces we fight for space among the pillowcases Defenseless bodies intertwine oh, oh. Just imagine the life in the fast lane Derek Nelson, we're happy to have him next to us, next to your ears. We're going to start you off with some quick hits. Sure. All right? These are very fun, fast-paced questions that people want to know the answers to. Off the cuff. Okay. Off the cuff. Are you ready? My, I, I'm born ready. Fast as you can, Derek Nelson. Speedy. <laughs> what instrument was the hardest for you to learn how to play? These are fast saxophone, answers. Saxophone, saxophone. I don't know. Tenor saxophone, baritone saxophone, alto, alto saxophone. saxophone. No, you know what? I'm going to change my answer. Flute. Flute? I, I gave up on it in fifth grade. I uh, I started on the flute when I was in fifth grade and could not get the breath control figured out. And so I was huffing and puffing and trying to trying to get those notes to and come And blow out. this house down. Yeah. Well, I, I blew myself down. <laughs> <laughs> I passed right out in band class and uh, and never really recovered from my my uh my flute excursion but um yeah i should i should maybe get back into learning how to play the flute better that'd be that'd be good but i would definitely say that that's the hardest instrument if you weren't a musician what would you be doing uh these are fast derek raising kittens (laughs) (laughs) 
Nintendo 64 or PlayStation 3? Nintendo 64. Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi. Sprite or Sierra Mist? Uh, Sprite. Glee or Felicity? (laughs) Both. (laughs) Raising Hope or Felicity? Uh, Raising Hope. Pinky and the Brain or Ren and Stimpy? I'm going to say Pinky and the Brain. X Factor or The Voice? Uh, Neither. Not The Voice, The Voice. Which one would you be more likely to win? Um, I think The Voice, maybe. Who would you want to turn your chair for you? Turn their chair for you? Ooh. Probably, probably Adam. Seattle or Los Angeles? Seattle in the summer, Los Angeles in the winter. Canada or Mexico? (laughs) It's the same thing, I think. (laughs) (laughs) As far north in Canada as possible. Okay. Uh, What's the worst play you've ever been in? Ooh, that's a really good question. Thank you. That's why I'm here, Derek. Oh, that's a thinker, man. I uh, there was a there was a production in high school of um, it was called Rumors, and Neil Simon. Yes, yeah, a farce, and it wasn't so much that the play was bad, but one of our actors went a little bit crazy, (laughs) and on closing night he got completely drunk, puked on stage. and pretty much just This is like, a high school play. I'd yeah, like this is out. a high school play. And pretty much like put an entire halt to the, the entire production. So that was a debacle that will always uh, kind of stay in my mind. Um, songs about winter or songs about summer? Songs about winter. Winter is my favorite season. Okay, would you spell Derek with an I or Derek with an E if you oh, could? Oh, come on. <laughs> D-E-R-I-K. Does anyone ever call you Rick or Derelict or any Ricky, any, any uh, deviation of Derek? Rick. Uh, I've, I did a, a Rick Astley cover on YouTube, and so now some people, you know, <laughs> cleverly say Derek rolled instead of Rick rolled, which is kind of funny. But. I support that. All right, we're going to take a break from the quick hits. We're going to go back to <laughs> music for a second. And this next jam is called Seasons Change. What can we know about this? This is, uh, this is a song about... Um, about Using the uh, the seasons changing as a as a metaphor for relationships and and falling out of relationships, and is this uh, gonna depress me? No, it's it's reflective and melancholic, I would say, but not depressing. Okay, great. Here's a clip from Seasons Change. Well, that was great. Thank you. Would you like the whole thing? I'd like the whole thing. Uh, yeah, I was a little concerned. <laughs> Here we go. Here is the full unabashed version of Seasons Change by Derek Nelson. Suddenly with no warning Funny and never noticed 
seasons change I walk in silence Now our love is growing cold Hands in pockets Since they don't have you inspired you to write that song and this winter project songs about winter um well the the project itself was was kind of born out of an idea to uh to do a songwriting project that that put me in a, a little box that was the season of winter um you know growing up as a kid i always loved um all of the feelings and, and emotions and nostalgia that goes along with with winter and and wanted to try to capture that musically without it being another, um, you know, here comes Santa Claus, uh, cheesy holiday album. So, um, yeah, it became a, a, an exercise in, in trying to write from, from a viewpoint of wanting to emote those feelings about winter and how they pertain to, to life and relationships. So the song Seasons Change um, was actually a song I wrote with my friends and, and producer and co-writer uh, Tim Kobza. And um, uh, he came up with this beautiful acoustic guitar um, lick that kind of became the, the, the body of, of this song. And, and so I was just kind of going back through my own, my own life, my own situation at the time, and, and, um, and thinking about a, a relationship and, and how with the changing of the seasons and the, the passing of time, sometimes, you know, that love can change and, and pass as well. So that was the where the song was born from. Do you find it difficult to be fully honest 
when you're writing songs about past relationships or past friendships, lovers that you've had, knowing in full well that they might listen to it and pick up that, oh no, this is about me, or this is how he felt? Um, I mean, I, I guess. I, I, I never really think about it that way because, because I, I want to be true to the song and, and do the song justice as well as be true to myself and um you know if if that ends up uh you know being a little too honest to where someone else can relate to that situation very specifically then uh you know i guess that can be a little awkward but you know it's never been a situation where i'd I'd call somebody up and say hey i just wrote a song about you and uh here it is you know i i like to keep that kind of mystery to myself and to the people listening because you know, um, one of the one of the best things about music is that it, it can not only help the musician performing, but it, it helps the listener as well. Um, so so being able to connect with people who really feel something from what I'm writing is, is a special thing. And I wouldn't want to ever take that away by being disingenuine. Is there a song for you that does that, that draws you in and says, I relate to that, that inspires you to keep writing? Uh yeah, I mean, I, I hear stuff all the time that, that really, that I connect with. Um, was there an artist when you were younger that you'd say really gave you a springboard? Definitely uh, Sting um, was a big one. Um, he has a song called When We Dance that I think is maybe the most perfect triangular love song in the world. Um, it's one of my favorite songs. And it so beautifully sets up the uh, I love you but you don't love me back scenario. Um, so perfectly and and I I listen to that every time I need to to have some inspiration Um, that I'm a big Steely Dan fan I'm a big uh, uh, John Mayer fan Um, so yeah just being able to draw inspiration from a a variety of of sources um, I think is the key in in coming up with your own sound you started out in the performing arts when you were maybe seven years old yeah if not younger how do you think seven-year-old Derek Nelson would view Mid twenties, young twenties, Derek Nelson. Oh, man, I've thought about that a lot, actually. Well, not, I'm glad not I so asked. much, not so much seven, but but fourteen year old Derek when he was just starting out writing songs and and recording in his bedroom. Um, you know, I would love to just you know bring something that I've I've just finished or or one of you know one of these songs on the on the winter album and play that for him and say, hey, hang in there, kid. You know, it's you're gonna write this someday and and I know you think what you're writing right now is cool but just hang in there and keep practicing and and keep you know stay focused and stay motivated because you're gonna do you know much more than that as long as you stay on that path another unexpected turn in your professional life has been your stint on Glee yes tell us about how that came about and what is it you do on the show week in week out sure listeners want to know yeah i am the um i'm the regular guitar player in the new directions band um so did you say new directions new directions yeah okay just making sure (laughs) (laughs) oh yes yes punny punny joke (laughs) um yeah the uh the show itself is is about for those of you who who don't know the show glee it's about a a glee club in high school and um so anytime they they get together and, and perform they have a band that plays with them, and uh, I was hired at the end of season two to be the, the regular guitar player in the band. We're going to do some Glee quick hits. Okay. Are you ready for that? Ready. What is your favorite song that you've played along to on Glee? Uh, probably 
Human Nature in the Michael Jackson tribute episode. That one, or uh, or We Got the Beat at the premiere of season three. I got an awesome feature on the lunch table. I got to dance with the girls and stuff on the lunch table and play this rock and guitar solo. And that was a, a really cool moment. What's the longest time you've spent on set in a oh, day on Glee? Oh, man. Definitely over 16 hours. Yeah. <laughs> they were like 8 in the morning and didn't go home till 4, 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> What's the most underappreciated song you've seen performed on Glee? Underappreciated song? Um, I guess... Uh, I, I can't think of a specific song, but I, I guess I can speak to the fact that all of the, all of the cast members are are so talented and um you know just in the way that the show is is um produced you know there's not really time doesn't allow for them to to um you know really showcase the talents that everybody has i mean it's a a 44 minute episode um but i i wish that that people could see more of of how talented everyone is and especially not only the cast but the crew that was the the biggest thing that i didn't realize is you know, the crew works nonstop around the clock to make that whole production possible. So, um, yeah, that that would be the, the most underappreciated um, song, I guess, would be the crew in itself. The, the, the song of the crew. <laughs> <laughs> what grade is the guitarist in? Uh, he came in uh, in eighth grade as a, a special uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, high school honors program. Good. So, yeah, he'll, he'll be around for a while, I hope. <laughs> I, we all hope. We all hope. Is it the same guitar each week, or does it change with the... Uh, it's Yeah, it's usually the same guitar. It's a, a Vox semi-hollow body electric guitar. And then uh, for songs that call for acoustic guitar, um, they usually put me on a Gibson, which is great. Do you play exactly what should be played the whole time? Are you, like, are you lip guitaring? No, like... I'm, I'm really playing... Um, and if there's ever a, if there's ever a close up or a, um, a you know sometimes they'll they'll you know do the song in rehearsal just with with the band by itself or just acoustic or just in the room to, to see how it sounds and so yes we we do all really play. You get to collaborate with a lot of great people, one being Rosy Crane. Yes. What can you tell me about uh, that collaboration and what you've been working on together recently? Um, Rousey is fantastic. Um, from the first time I heard her sing at, at USC, um, you know, I just... It's a fine institution. It is an amazing institution. I have nothing but, but good things to say. Well, except for their football team this year. A little disappointing. <laughs> Please, let, let but us... Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take, I digress. We'll take, a, we'll take a knee on that issue, yeah. <laughs> but no, as, uh, Rousey, I mean, the first time I heard her sing, I just, I fell in love with her voice. And, and um, so we got to talking about music and, and, um... We ended up doing a uh, an EP together. Um, her her EP. She asked me to to produce and record, and I did some writing as well. Uh, we did some writing together, um, and really just became you know close friends, and um, are are very much on the same page musically, and and so yeah, it was it was a great friendship, and that uh, you know led to to her. Um, more recently, uh, getting signed to Adam Levine's new record label. Well, um, should we listen to some of the great stuff you and her have done? Could we do that? Yeah, I, uh, I, we did a song together that I wrote for the winter album. Um, a fun. This seems to be like a great through line. Yeah, you know, it was it was great. It's it's like a, a little New Year's Eve jam um, about you know two people who just want to be together on New Year's Eve, and it's a sexy little 
little jam, and I couldn't <laughs> think of anyone better than Rosie to, to sing on it. So um, very gracious that she uh, contributed her, her voice and her talents to this song. Um, and it's called New Year's Eve off of the Winter album. Here we go. Let's take a listen. Well, I know that there's always the question, where will you be the biggest night of the year? But 12 o'clock midnight is undoubtedly near There have been shots of Patron while the champagne flows And the stereo's playing our favorite song Now the forecast is calling for snow to keep falling You and I are right where we belong One thing left to do Keep an eye on the clock while the other looks at you
Well, I know what I'm going to be listening to on New Year's Eve. I hope. Over and over <laughs> and over. I hope you do. Just one loop. I hope it brightens up your New Year's Eve party. You're going to brighten up everyone's party right now by giving us the sights and sounds, where we can go to get Derek Nelson all the time. Ah, yes. Derek Nelson all the time. Plug away. <laughs> uh, well, first things first, my name is spelled D-E-R-I-K Nelson. So if you go to DerekNelson.com, you can find all of my music uh, some photos, some videos, anything you ever wanted to know about me is on there. Birth um, certificate. Yep. College records, passport application. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, sign up for my mailing list there to, to keep in touch with everything I'm doing. And I will email you only, you know, a few times a day. So <laughs> <laughs> Just like promotions for oh, yeah. traveling. And yep. <laughs> <laughs> he's also on YouTube. He's got these amazing covers. Would you say you have a favorite cover of yours that you've done? Uh, probably Katy Perry's Wide Awake. Um, How many I've... views is that up to now? Oh, man. I think it's it's almost 200,000. It's like 150,000 or something. It's incredible. It's, it Really, if you want to hear an amazing cover of anything, go to YouTube. Search Derek Nelson Wide Awake. It is worth the time. Thank you very much. Of but course. yeah, you can search me on YouTube. Just Derek Nelson. Find my YouTube page. Subscribe. Much love to all my YouTube subscribers out there. You can find me on iTunes. Yeah, um, we can. Everything you heard today is up there on iTunes if you want to go put that on your iPod and jam out to all that stuff. Do people still have just iPods? Uh, no. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they might. I mean, I was just wondering. Just, you know. Put it on your Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> and we're oh. back. Um, well, thank you for zooming on over, Derek. <laughs> we really appreciate you coming by our way and, I appreciate and you having me. spending time on TV with TP. And uh, yeah, come by anytime you want to promote anything. We yes, love having thank you. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. <laughs> Take care. Thanks. Welcome back to TP with TP. I'm here in studio with the managing editor of Disney blog, guide to WDW.com, Mr. James Grosh. Hello. James, welcome on the show. Glad to be here. Be our guest. I am. I will put your service to the test. Thank you. Be our Lumiere. <laughs> Light the way. Uh, so tell me what it is, your website, guide to WDW, that's guide two with a number two. Number two. Who does number two work for? Um, James works for us right now. He's on the clock. Tell us what your website does. Uh, basically, it's been around for almost, or over 10 years, and it's a place for people to come to learn more about Disney World in Orlando and find tips and really find the best way to get the most out of their vacation. Say I'm a first-time visitor to Disney mm -hmm. World. Mm -hmm. What's the first thing I should do when exploring your site? Um, really, the most popular section is the tips section. Uh, it's tips from... Uh, my family, we've gone to Disney World like at least once or twice every year for the last probably like 18 years, ever since I can remember being alive. It's tips from that, tips from our readers. Uh, there's, you know, lots of things of like little secret discounts that you can get or good places to relax. So uh, really just looking around there and there's some for all four of the parks, some for the hotels, ways to save money. So that's really a great way to you know, use the site to your advantage. Uh, we also have some top 10 lists that are more like 
you know, kind of fun takes on the parks. And it's like, okay, the top 10 rides, you know, from what I feel like, what are the best rides at the park and stuff like that. As an insider, could you tell us <laughs> what's upcoming at Disney World or what's there currently that's worth visiting? For those who have been there year in, year out, obviously it's a magical experience. Mm-hmm. Noted, TBTP has been voted for years as the second happiest place on earth. Okay. I we're, we're the Susan Lu- happy. We're the Susan Lucci of... One of these years, yeah. you're going to get it. Yeah, one of these tiers. That aside, tell me, person who loves Disney World, mm-hmm. why I should go back this season. Uh, the biggest thing that's happening at Disney World right now is New Fantasyland at Magic Kingdom. So Magic Kingdom is their Disneyland-like park. It's their most popular park. Um, gets it's the number one theme park in the world in terms of visitors, and the New Fantasyland is their biggest expansion in the park's history. So they have um, a section that's based on Beauty and the Beast. With uh, there's Enchanted Storytimes with Belle, which is a sort of interactive guest experience where you go into uh, Maurice's cottage and then into the Beast Castle, and they have some cool effects of like a portal opening up into the castle. And then you meet Belle, and there's a Lumiere animatronic that's really, really cool. And then they have, like, kids from the audience act out the story of Beauty and the Beast. So that's a lot of fun. They also have the Be Our Guest restaurant, uh, which is counter service for lunch, table service for dinner. I had a chance to eat there a few weeks ago. And Are you served by coffee cups and brooms? and Fascinatingly, no, which is like <laughs> a big miss in my opinion. Yeah. Like, they should have just somehow worked on the technology, Disney, Come on. and animate real-life cups and dishes and stuff. No, you're, you're served by people. Um, although, thankfully, not people in, like, cup costumes, because yeah. that would just be kind of creepy. Um, good night, Chip. But it's, like, it's really good French food. Um, I had shrimp and scallops when I was there in a puff pastry, and it was really good. Um, we'll get back to Fantasyland in a second, okay. but my question is on Disney food. Mm. Everyone knows Disney World's amazing, but it costs a family of four a lot of money. costs yes. a party of two a lot of money. Absolutely. Where are ways you can cut costs when you're going to Disney World to save money just on eating alone? Um, so on eating alone, there's a few options. Uh, if you're an annual pass holder at Disney World and at Disneyland in California, uh, they usually give you a 10 to 15% discount at table service dinners. There's also, if you're an annual pass holder, you can buy the Tables in Wonderland card which is $75 and it gets you 20% off of all your food um, at certain restaurants. So those are ways to save money. We do have, we have specifically on the site dining tips um, that you can go and there's, there's a ton of different tips. That's one of the most um, dining and money saving tips. One of the things I really like about your website, guide to wdw.com is the fact that you take outsiders tips. You'll post mm-hmm. them on your website. And you say thank you to them. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something I really like. (laughs) Moving on to time-saving tips. Okay. How can we save time in a park where you're constantly feeling, oh my god, do I need the fast pass here? Do I need the fast pass here? Should I be in Tomorrowland? Is it already tomorrow? Is it Adventure (laughs) Time? Am I in Adventureland? How do you do it? Uh, One of the best things to do is come up with a game plan. Figure out, you know, if you're going to spend a day in the park, you're probably not going to get to do everything. Like, Unless you're going on a really light day, it will just be physically impossible. So pick out the two or three attractions that you definitely know you want to do and get the fast passes for those first. 
plan or plan your day around that figure out where your meals are going to be maybe you want to do a counter service instead of a table service so you save time on that or pack your own lunch so you're not spending you know table service at the parks can spend you can spend an hour an hour and a half if i'm a first time visitor or even a second time visitor mm-hmm. talking about time saving in your opinion as the managing editor of this disney fan site where should i go first where should i go second that's a really good question it, i mean it, it all it all depends on if you have like small kids like um, my sister just went with her uh, six-month-old child so they spent a lot of time on boat rides um, I think if you're really into like throw rides Expedition Everest at Animal Kingdom is really great Tower of Terror is a classic um, and then of course there's the Disney staples like Haunted Mansion um, and it's a small world and stuff like that so um, it really all depends on what type of attraction appeals to you personally personalization was key when Walt Disney was coming up with the idea for Disneyland and in conjunction mm-hmm. Disney World. What ride to you personifies him the most? Uh, there's a story that uh, that's out there that uh, the Carousel of Progress was Walt's favorite attraction where you're um, going through and seeing families throughout the 20th century and sort of how technology is advancing and uh, how like uh, communication has changed and stuff like that. This is um, located in Tomorrowland? This is in Tomorrowland only in Magic Kingdom. It used to be in uh, Tomorrowland at Disneyland and then it moved out um, to Florida. But the problem is that uh, show hasn't been updated in a very long time. So it's like they have the idea of the future and it's like, you know, people with like... Um, like robots and stuff like that and like just like this giant tv that's like five feet deep and it's just like and people with like visors playing virtual reality games and it's just kind of weird and so (laughs) i i don't i don't know i think in a weird way like the monorail makes me think of walt the most just because you can kind of get a view of all the parks and it's sort of like even now like the idea of like a good clean running monorail is like sadly somewhat futuristic um, for a lot of places in this country. So that kind of makes me think of that. How do you think Disney World and Disneyland have adapted to the modernization of America? How do you think places like Epcot or Tomorrowland have seen what's coming, passed it, then adapted? Mm-hmm. How do they keep that magical thought that we are loving the present and look at this great future ahead of us? Um, that's an interesting question. And I think in some ways they're trying to do that. They have this whole next-gen initiative where you'll basically plan your whole vacation ahead of time and you'll manage getting reservations with your smartphone and stuff like that and get your fast passes on your smartphone. Um, so they're trying to incorporate technology a lot more now. All the parks have Wi-Fi in Orlando. But at the same time, things like Future World in, uh, in Epcot in Tomorrowland they're having a tough time figuring out, okay, what does this really mean? And so Tomorrowland's becoming more and more like a science fantasy land. Um, you know, it's a lot more about Pixar characters. There's a rumor about an Iron Man ride coming to Tomorrowland uh, here. So, and, you know, with Disney acquiring Star Wars, um, you know, it's it's becoming less about our vision of technology in the future and more about really creating an immersive science fiction world. 
Let's switch gears a little bit from Disney World to Disneyland. Mm -hmm. What, in your mind, is the greatest difference between Disney World and Disneyland? What attracts you to each of those Disney parks? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I vacationed to Disney World for a very long time, and now I'm local to Disneyland. And uh, my girlfriend and I go to Disneyland probably way too much. Um, Disneyland is a lot, uh, especially the park compared to Magic Kingdom, it's a lot smaller. It's a lot more charming. The scale of everything's just a little bit smaller. Uh, you have a lot more locals coming to Disneyland. I think it's something like 50% of the people that go to Disneyland come within 100 miles. Um, so it's a, sort of a, a different vibe. It's a little bit more laid back. In Orlando, people are, it's a lot more people on vacations, a lot more families, and there's a little bit more of a stress factor, although there's a lot more to do, and it's massive. I think it's like 43 square miles is the property that Disney owns in Florida. So they're very different beasts. I love Disneyland and all the new changes that have come to California Adventure, making that an actual really great park, um, have really made Disneyland a very cool place to be. Tell us a little bit about Disney California Adventure Park. <laughs> uh, Did I get that right? I think you got that right. I think, like, Disney won't be suing you now. TM. Uh, TM. Copyright. Restricted. <laughs> um, so, California Adventure opened in 2001 and wasn't a hit at all. Uh, it underperformed. People didn't really get, like, what the theming of it was. Why would you go experience the things in California, like a watered-down version of California inside of California, when you could just drive up the coast and, you know. It was a labyrinth to people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they finally, five years ago, said, we're going to do a massive re-theming of this park. And they spent, depending on who you ask, $1.1 to $1.5 billion. With a buh. With a buh. B -b 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 billion dollars <laughs> on this park uh and so the first big thing is buena vista street which is the new opening act for the park so you come into the park and you used it used to just be flat concrete and some neon signs and a big sort of metal hubcap looking things and now you are taken to los angeles as walt would have experienced it when he came in 1923 or something like that. So it's uh, the 1920s. There's a jazz band that goes around and plays. There's uh, trolley car boys that sing. Lots of neat little details in there that are, this is are things that maybe inspired Walt. So Mortimer's Market, you have Mortimer the Mouse, which became Mickey Mouse. You have Oswald's Gas Station, which is, um, you know, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, which is what Walt did before Mickey Mouse. You have the... Big Top Toys, which is sort of like Dumbo Circus. Um, so it's a very cool place to be. Um, it's really, really just a gorgeous area, and it's a cool place. It's a nice complement to Main Street in Disneyland. And then, of course, you have Cars Land, which I think gets uh, the most attention. It's a 12-acre expansion. They have just giant rock work, and they basically remade the town of Radiator Springs from the movie Cars, the critically acclaimed, most beloved Pixar movie, Cars. Um, if we're going around Disney California Adventure Park, uh -huh. how should we allocate our time? Can we do that in a day and part of Disneyland, or is it too much? You can definitely do parts of both parks in one day. Um, you can't do all of it, 
it's definitely now become a two-day destination. Um, but now because Carsland is so popular, I would say go to California Adventure first, get your fast pass for Radiator Springs Racers first thing in the morning, because they sell out sometimes even within an hour of the park opening. But then beyond that, experience Cars Land before it gets too crowded, and then um, you know just explore it and take in the park. Last question for James Grosh, managing editor of Guide to WDW.com. Mm-hmm. James, you're going to Disneyland. What's the one thing only James knows to do there? Oh, only I know. It's not something that only I know, but I, w- I will be eating lobster nachos at the Cove Bar in California Adventure. Not many people know about it. Is that by Ariel's? By Ariel's Grotto, yeah. That's where we're going right now. (laughs) Well, James, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it, man. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for dropping in. And uh, check out his website, Mm guide2wdw.com. With the number two. With the number two. Thank you, James. Thank you, Tom. I love you. All right, that's our program. We want to thank you so much for checking us out. It's been a lovely... Hello? Hey, guy from the apartment complex. How you doing? Does anyone besides me remember the Iraq War? Bye. All right, that's our program. We want to thank you so much for checking us out. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We want to take this moment to thank our guests. Thanks to Derek Nelson, James Grosh, Guy from the Apartment Complex. Special thanks to Sammy J for the rhythms. Thanks to Bob, as always. Thank you, Trent. You'll see us next time, or you'll hear us next time, on TP with TP. That's the podcast with Tom Polos. There's always more at thepolosgrounds.com. Happy New Year's.